Back on the big wake-up call, AM 1280, WBIG. I'm Ryan Gatenby, and our next guest is a legendary talk show host, a columnist, a comedy writer, and he is the author of Brief Encounters, Conversations, Magic Moments, and Assorted Hijinks. And we are joined by Dick Cavett. Welcome to the show. Well, it's about time. (laughs) (laughs) They've kept us apart all these years. Did we do a show together once? Well, I thought we weren't going to talk about that one. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember it was it was buried. <laughs> <laughs> Kidding, of course. Now, I don't know if it's just me or, or if this is the typical experience, but when I'm reading your book, reading the stories, I hear your voice in my head reading it to me because your, your writing style, it sounds just like you. You know, I, I've been told that uh, before, and it always sort of mystifies me because I, I, I don't sit down... To write as if I talk. If you did that, tried that, it would be disastrous. But it does seem to come out that way. And then uh, in your book, you're talking about uh, originally writing for talk show hosts like Jack Parr and Johnny Carson, and then comedians like Jack Benny, and how you were able to write uh, in their style and in their voice. But then when it came to creating material for yourself, you thought that was more difficult to to be yourself. Mr. Woody Allen, who was a new friend of mine way way back then starting his performing career, expecting to spend his life as a writer, um, said, Cavett, when you get to writing for yourself, you will find it's extremely difficult. You can't turn yourself on in your head the way you can turn on Jack, Benny, Bob Hope, and know how they would word a line and what their inflections would be and so on. And he was right, and it was rough. Now, I... Quick, I, I used to offend the other older writers on the Parr and Carson staffs because I wrote fast. As soon as I got a subject, I could fill a page with jokes. And I thought, that's what will happen with me. But no, who am I? What am I? Am I I'm not fat enough to be a fat comedian? I'm not <laughs> this and that. I'm not uh, goofy looking. I, I, who the hell am I is the problem you face. How were they offended because you were able to, to turn in material so quickly? Well, with the Par Show particularly, because I was really a kid <laughs> compared to the other uh, writers, uh, with the other writers, sorry. And um, I, 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 I would take my stuff down to Jack, and, and they were still working on theirs. Not that I was a better writer, but when you're the kid in television, you're a threat. So as you're writing these columns, telling these stories, and then putting together the book, how was it reliving a lot of these moments? Are these just seared in your memory? Did you keep a, a notebook or anything along the way? No, I, I'm one of those people who probably resolves to some to eventually start a diary. I never did. If I'd even kept a list of facts of days past, as you know, we lose 80% of everything we experience to memory. Um I would have been a lot easier, but these were, in each case, remarkable in some way that I had no trouble remembering them. Some because they were dramatic, some because they were appalling. Uh, some of them with the potential to ruin the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, some uh, with with my two reports of my criminal past as a kid, um, and things on the subject of sex, just to pick a subject out of the air are usually easily rememberable, but a lot of things aren't. And then in rereading them, some of these I wrote four years ago, 
are new to me. I don't remember them now. I mean, it's as if if I had to write them now, I couldn't. But I think every writer reports that, that feeling of having read something you wrote, even not that long ago, and think, did I write this? This is a good sentence, but I don't remember writing it. What do you think it was about your show that you were kind of able to bring together the the older and the newer generation? You could have you know Groucho one night and and John and Yoko and and the audience would follow you. Was there a, just a more general cultural awareness back then? I don't know, but you you brought up there there was something. I don't know what it is. I don't know why the youth of today don't know anything that happened before their birth. I don't know why I have had to endure this year two questions. Who were the Marx Brothers, and who was Johnny Carson? Can you believe it? Well, I I was wondering if we'd lost younger listeners as soon as I mentioned Jack Benny. But, you know, I'm only 39, and and maybe it's because, you know, I'm a comedy nerd, but I'm certainly familiar with Benny and and Groucho and and Bob Hope. Are are we just too micro-programmed these days? I just don't don't know know why why they're not getting a reference. Well, the aforementioned Woody Allen said again in an early part of our knowledge of each other, kids today don't know the names Robert Benchley, George Kaufman, James Thurber... Uh, on and on, Dorothy Parker, all the great wits of the Oscar Levant, and yet Cabot, he said, we knew them even though they're before our time. Why doesn't anyone today know anything ahead of himself? Um, I don't know. It's a shame, really. Uh, luckily, the way on the old Ed Sullivan show, I was able to see comedians who were well before my time, but still alive <laughs> on the live Sullivan show. Uh, now, on uh, such places as YouTube, where half my life seems to be now, <laughs> I've got young, young kids who come up and say, I've seen almost everything you've done, and I say, but you can't. And they said, yeah, on YouTube. <laughs> John and Yoko are there, and Richard Burton is there, and Brando is there, and Hepburn is there, and it's just Orson Welles. Uh, uh, it, 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 it's a nice thing, but you feel like Laurel and Hardy, who got no money for the replays of their entire career that made billions for other people. Was it just the the format of your show or just the way you were able to do it that, you know, you had a musician on and you asked questions about their music. You you actually learned something uh, about the guest. And now they're, you know, the guests are on there for a few minutes and they run through the same bits they're doing on uh, all the other shows. And or show a meaningless clip from their movie that goes nowhere. (laughs) <laughs> and then and use the word excited in every other sentence. Right. Yeah, as if life is a constant seeking of excitement. Um, yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. I, I, there are 90-minute shows I did that seemed shorter and easier to do than seven minutes today would be with some of those same people because, uh, well, the, the great gift of having a huge, a huge personality on and having the luxury of being able to go wherever you wanted and having plenty of time and finding that 90 minutes went by very fast with Orson Welles or Hepburn or Brando or Hitchcock or uh, Robert Mitchum or or a murderer ahead of the mafia, uh, all the other kinds of guests I had on. Uh, the time seemed to fly the longer it was. <laughs> 
Well, I wish I had uh, 90 minutes to uh, talk with you, Dick, but uh, thank you so much for taking the time to call in today. The new book is uh, Brief Encounters, Conversations, Magic Moments, and uh, Assorted Hijinks by uh, Dick Cavett. It has been an let's honor, spend, sir. Let's spend 90 minutes in a pool hall someday and get it all out. Oh, all right, your people contact my people. I don't have people, but they can find me. <laughs> Well, it's been a pleasure talking to you. You do this very well. well th- oh, well, thank you very much. That's going on my resume. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much. Here, right. Thanks.